And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 325 of This Old Marketing for Thursday, May 26th, 2022. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and let's face it, the only guy who hasn't yet testified in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Do you think that they're (laughs) purposely drawing this out for... Oh, you think? (laughs) For media ratings? Do you, do you, they're, they're getting pleas from the networks and social media personalities to just keep this going as long as possible? Here, probably not, but it is one of those things where, and I have, I will be the first to admit, I am not following this closely. I am, I am watching this from afar. You know, it's a little bit like I watch, uh, it's like I, how I follow baseball this time of year, right? I, I see the box scores. I read some of the analysis, but I'm not paying attention to the games. So, um, you know, it, it, it strikes me that, you know, a pox on all your houses, right? I mean, it's like I just the whole thing just is just icky. It's just icky all the way around. Um, and, you know, and battle lines have been drawn here, right? I mean, there's, you know, there are very few people who are following this closely who don't have a very strong opinion one way or the other about who's, you know, who's in the right here. So I, you know, I think it makes, I, I would not be surprised if you are right. If the, if the networks are like, Oh, please let this thing go on another, you know, bring somebody else in, bring, you know, but it is, it's just such a circus. It's just, it's a complete, Circus. Yeah, I, I don't, as you know, I don't follow the news at all these days for the most part. But I know two things. I know when uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show's coming out on Disney+. Plus This week. This yes, week. Yes, tomorrow, week. I believe, as we record yep. this. Friday, yeah. today, as, as people this, listening yep. to this. And I also know that Stranger Things is coming out. I know those two things. That is correct as well. And Star Trek episode news to Star Trek episode tonight. So, oh, of your of your new one, on I'm Paramount? sure it's out now, right? I'm sure it's out now, but I always think of it as okay. Thursday night because you know I, that's when I, I watch it. But I, I'm sure. Well, it's I was I was ready. I was ready to cancel my Paramount Plus because you know the way we talked about the whole Picard thing. But I've kept it. Yep. I'm going to keep it because I'm going to watch your first episode of the new Star Trek because you've been raving about it, and I'm going to go back. Oh, for sure, I'm going to go back. Yeah, watch the the first one's great. The second one is actually interestingly enough, I think a a what we're what we're gonna see more of sort of the it's probably closer to the average of what's gonna okay. happen um the, but the first one is absolutely brilliant it's just i mean i mean the whole thing i mean it's just yeah i get excited okay I, yeah, yeah. hey this yeah. is it's it's i know how excited you can be and should be about a good star trek story i mean you it are exactly a trekkie right, through and through and yep. uh and i always liked the movies. Um, so I was, I mean, and, and well, you know, I mean, for people listening to this, I grew up on next generation. 
So we used to watch right. it when well, I was in actually, college. We all, all get together because I was in a co-ed dorm on the fourth floor. And you had the, the guys on one side and the girls on the other. And we all came together in the sitting room that had one television. And we got together yep. and watched, I think it was Sunday night at that time, if that's correct. Yep, absolutely. And, Sunday and night. we watched. Yeah. Uh, all, so all the geeks got together in the honors dorm and we watched Star Trek. It was fantastic. Uh, well, see here, and that's the thing for for us that are a little bit older or appreciate the original series more. This is really the first series that gives so much fan service to the you know the original you know the original Star Trek. So so much fan service in in lieu of Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and some of the other you know '90s and early 2000s series. But this one really just gives a lot of fan service to you know. Um, the original series, which is just great. It's just great. Anyway. Yeah. 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 So, make this make another episode about Star Trek. <laughs> so I, uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my, my hol- family. Holiday. I, well, yes. We had, I mean, did you get to Wally world? Did, did you it know? Was, Sorry folks. Par- parks closed. <laughs> you know what? Almost happened. I know. I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I had, uh, for whatever reason, when I checked the schedule and did this whole planning, there are, there are two parks in particular that changed their schedule that were open on Monday and then were closed on Monday. Yeah. And so we, I had to re and it's, it's, I'm lucky that I checked cause I'm, I'm really obsessive and anal about my plans and my planning and the hotels and the parks. And just to give you a little bit of background for those people that didn't know what I was doing, this was my oldest, uh, graduation from high school present that, is now two years late because this was planned for April of 2020. And now we got to go on this trip to California where we were going to go to five theme parks. And so, but at that time we were going to do like a 10 day vacation. We, we put this all into six days. So we did five theme parks in six days, started in Los Angeles, ended up in San Francisco and, uh, and did the whole thing. But basically we did, um, we did a Cedar fair park knots to start with, then we did Disneyland. Then we did a Six Flags Park. Then we traveled up to uh, San Francisco and did another Six Flags Park and another Cedar Fair Park. But this was supposed to happen and go through until Monday. We were going to do basically three parks, day off, and two parks. But we had to do five in a row because I, I checked and the one park wasn't open on Monday. So I'm like, oh, geez, that would have been horrible. So I had to do some figuring. Had to check on the hotel, make sure we were okay. But... All in all, fantastic trip. Uh, my oldest, who who loves roller coasters, was able to get on thirty six different coasters over the five. Oh my! I know, right? Gracious. And that's that's impressive. That that is impressive. Very impressive. And I and all the parks had their own unique, wonderful factors about them. Obviously, the Cedar Fair parks and the Six Flags, Flags parks were, were mostly, uh, you know, about the roller coasters and the rides. But I got to tell you, Robert. I did not realize how much I would love Disneyland. And I mean... Oh, yeah. Disneyland's great. Unbelievable. And I know there's people that don't like say it's too expensive, and it probably is, but it is so worth it. Uh, Star Star Wars Land or whatever was amazing. Disneyland is actually better than Disney World, I find. That's interesting. I haven't been to Disney World in a long time since the kids were were really, really small. But this is the first time I've ever been to Disneyland. And we, and I, I saw, basically, my recommendation is get the Genie Plus service. It's really not. Oh, you, yeah, 
pay the million dollars or whatever it is for the cut in line pass and the you know VIP this and you know I mean just anything you can do to do I mean it just it changes the entire. It experience. absolutely does, and and by the way, the Disney the the Genie Plus Pass, which is like their Fast Lane or Fast Pass, it's it's only sure, it's like yeah. thirty bucks more a person. It's not. Yeah. you're already paying hundreds of dollars for the ticket. You absolutely right. have to get the Genie Plus. So basically, you say, okay, which ride, and you go ahead, and basically, it's like you're standing in line without standing in line, and they'll say, oh, you can get in line in an hour, or you can get in a line right now. Uh, depending on how the lines are. And so you go ahead and do that. And that saved us so much time and energy. And then we also went to Disney, I guess it's called California Adventure, which is right next door. We had the Park Hopper Pass. Yep. That's amazing. Like we went to Cars Land. And (laughs) just, I just fell in love. I would have stayed. We left at like 1030 at night. I'd have stayed past midnight. but, uh, But two of our gag were like toast. Because we were still jet lagged from, from the plane. Here's the thing: I know exactly which two you're talking about. <laughs> yes, exactly. But we, but it was a great trip. Uh, I cannot say enough about the experience of Disney. It everything about Disney was so much better than the other parks. The and I know there it's a it's a 365 day a year park versus you know only open in you know extended summer if you will. But they've sure, got everything yeah. right. They've got the customer service down. They've got like I when I walked in, I felt like I was in a different place, and it just yeah. Now you went to Six Flags too, yes. Went to yes, we went to uh, Six Flags, uh, uh, which which is it's not Six Flags Great America. It's Six Magic Mountain, Six Flags Magic Mountain, yeah, exactly. and then Magic we did Mountain, Six Flags yeah. Discovery Kingdom in north of San Francisco. Right. So did those as well. Now, Magic Mountain is great. If you like coasters, I think they have 18 or 19 coasters. It, they do. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where I used to go all the time is to, uh, is to Six Flags Magic Mountain. We used to go back. This is, I haven't been in, you know, uh, oh, gosh, 20 years. But, you know, it, it's, that's where we used to go all the time because it was a little more, you know, it was a little more roller coastery than, than Disney. Oh, yeah. If you like roller coasters, don't go to Disney. Like absolutely right. go That's to what I mean. Six yeah. Flags, or you know, we 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 have a Cedar Far- Fair Park right next to us in Cleveland, in Sandusky, Ohio, called Cedar Point, the original one. Um, so we our pass is good at all those other places, so we were able to get in at the other two for free as part of the pass. But so I'd say, anyways, Disney floored me. I'm more of a Disney fan than I've ever been before. The kids were already talking about having to go to Disney World, and I'm like, come on, we what? I said, you're so spoiled. Anyways, uh, we did that, but the, <laughs> well, we ended yeah. up the trip. We had a 2 o'clock flight, which got delayed until 5 on the last day. But we said, okay, we're close enough. We were in Silicon Valley. We said, let's go to Cupertino. And we went to Apple headquarters. And they have a little Apple Visitor Center. They have a couple of stores there on campus that you can get exclusive shirts and things that you can't get anywhere else. But the thing that surprises me, Robert, is... They could do so much with that. Like, they could have a museum. They could, I mean, you. there's really, if, you, if you're if you a huge Apple fan, outside of buying a T-shirt at, at an Apple, a regular Apple store, you really can't do much more than go buy a coffee in the, in the gift shop. That's right. Why is that? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think probably because there's a... I, I don't think it matches their brand. I don't think they want to make 
the Apple brand a theme park, right? They're not, I think that's part of the mystique is that it's not available in that, you know, it's sort of like the absence of the, you know, that, that experience is what makes the brand special. I, 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 I hear what you're saying and that's probably why they haven't done it, but I think it's a lost opportunity because, so I'm, Maybe. I'm a loyal. Yeah. I mean, but think about it in the, the, think about it in the scheme of how much brand value it has versus how much revenue it would provide. It would be a drop in a drop in the bucket of revenue. I don't, I wouldn't and, do it for revenue. I wouldn't absolutely not do it for revenue. I would do it for the fact that, uh, you know, I'm, I've become a more loyal Disney customer. Well, but Disney's different brand than Apple, mm, I think. In they're that still, regard. they're still, pre- they're both premium consumer brands. They're in Agreed, some cases but very luxury. different, but very different, very different brands than a consumer. I mean, they are, they are both arguably premium brands, but I would argue one is more of a luxury brand and a mystique brand. That's Apple, and Disney is much more of a democratized every man's brand. Maybe. Some people would disagree yeah. with that because it, because of well, how much it costs. Well, let me put it this to to way: Would your World? kids be as into the T-shirts if every person in Disney was walking around with an Apple T-shirt? I, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Part of the part of the mystique. I'm answering for yeah. you. Part of the mystique of and the reason that they want the Apple T-shirt from the headquarters of Apple is because it's hard to get and making it easier to get removes some of that mystique and so it removes some of the cred around walking around with that t-shirt on like when you walk around with that t-shirt on and it's only available at that small little store in cupertino and you know et cetera, et cetera. people go Ooh, where did you get that you know and you don't say well i got it at the apple theme park in california you go no i got it at the special store that only people can go to if you get there and have a ticket and blah 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 it it, it keeps a level of inaccessibility to the brand which is which is what apple has made a name for right it's 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 made for those who consider themselves different and weird and you know iconoclastic uh sure (laughs) i think it's a huge (laughs) lost opportunity in my opinion i think they could keep all those things in place and still add something to that experience because i felt i felt (laughs) bad there were a lot of people there like we just did that on a whim it was a 30 minute drive not that far out of the way. There were a lot of people that, that were there that I could see that came there just to go there. And if you just come to go there, you would be you're very disappointed if you don't do the work ahead of time because you'd think there's more. But there's not. There's nothing outside of getting your t shirt. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. Couldn't they have I hear something? You. I, I hear I they hear what put, you're saying. They put billions of dollars into that campus. There's a there's a freaking spaceship <laughs> shaped corporate headquarters that they have there and then Eleven yeah, well, hundred. That's a whole other thing. Like it. people aren't showing up to work there, right? So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a. It, it may be, it may become an artifact of the, you know, the the early twenty first century about, you know, hey kids, here's the way people used to work. They used to show up to shiny glass boxes and go inside. You know, it's like <laughs> what? Now Are you they kidding all stay me? At people, home. people yeah. actually now everybody works from coffee shops. You know? It's so crazy. <laughs> Anyways. We don't. We can. We can stop our argument about that. We yes. know that I'm right on this one, but that's fine. There we go. Uh, there we yeah, go. we had a great time. There we go. And uh, and thanks for uh, producing early last week so that we could Absolutely. we could make that happen. And well, speaking of producing early, we've got a we've got a cool show. 
Um, we're going to talk a little bit about you know the the thing that has sort of become a little bit of a meme on uh, Twitter uh, over the last few days. Somebody stole Seth Green's bored ape, um, and he was going to make a TV show. Ah, can we get a collective ah for Seth Green? Aww. We'll talk a little bit about yeah. that. Um, Conan O'Brien's podcast network was just acquired by SiriusXM. Seems like everything is a podcast these days, and we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk maybe a little bit about YouTube and how they're creating a new invite-only project for creators. YouTube yet throwing more spaghetti against the wall to get creators to get on the platform. And we'll talk about Google and how a new bill could force Google to shutter part of its ad business, antitrust finally coming to roost. And if we've got time, we'll talk about TikTok and their adventure getting into games. I'm going to have a little bit of commentary uh, also about Google and a lawsuit that's been filed against them, as well as this company that everybody is, well, experiencing, but nobody's talking about this media company that is out there doing a lot of things that... I can't figure out why nobody's talking about and and you're 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 going to talk a little bit about uh, Andreessen Horowitz and there yeah we've got their, yeah there's a there's article. a new uh, state of crypto report that I I want to make sure we get in the show notes and and talk a little bit about a new uh, creator economy yeah. report as well so there you go fantastic so just a chock a block full of amazing show of content media and all sorts of things coming off the heels of a roller coaster. <laughs> And so we'll open with uh, the always, well, let's call it the, 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 the iron lady of ridiculous news, and that is BuzzFeed. Um, the headline here, which caught everybody's attention, it seems, is someone stole Seth Green's bored ape, which was supposed to star in his new TV show. And the article opens up by saying the actor's been pleading on Twitter to Darkwing84 which is the perfect, perfect foil for this, by the way. Just the story can't write itself any more compellingly. Who bought his ape from a scammer uh, to return it, actually. So actor and producer Seth Green uh, was robbed of several NFTs this month after succumbing to a phishing scam that inadvertently threw a monkey wrench into the plan for his new animated series, the forthcoming show was developed from characters in Green's expansive NFT collection, but in light of the recent hack, the project's blatant crypto optimism uh, has been tragically ironic for the industry's shadier side. On Saturday, Green teased a trailer for the White Horse Tavern at the NFT conference VCon, uh, a twee comedy, tw a twee comedy, it says. Uh, boy, they belabor that. <laughs> um, the show seems to be based on the question, what if your friendly neighborhood bartender was a bored ape yacht club number 83? Three nine eight in the show that absolutely nobody asked for. Uh, so, do you have a take on this? Have you been following this story of late? It's it seems to be very, uh, very much like the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial. There seems to be two very distinct sides of this. One is like you know, you know, basically losers weep, um, or. Uh, you know, we feel really sorry for you and trying to get your trying to get yeah. your NFT. Yeah, back. there's. I think there's a couple things to talk about here. First of all, I think we just need to talk about if you are collecting, buying, storing NFTs, you have to absolutely be careful. And I read this story as you shared it with me, and Seth Green is not new to the NFT game and and basically got um, 
you know, got taken in this phishing scam. So basically, just sending out a warning. You, if you get a direct message from anyone, it could look like your best friend with a link in it, especially if you're on Discord or Twitter. You do not click on it. Do not click you until you know for sure that because it's once you get once you click on something and you have a hot wallet, which means it's a wallet connected uh, to the website at that current time, you could lose everything you have. So just a r- reminder, if you do this, you should have a cold wallet, something like a, le- a ledger, which looks like a, a basically a hard drive that can keep your NFTs on separately. Don't put them all in one place. Of course, we're very early days in this, but you have to learn to store these properly. And if you're going to practice, practice on NFTs that aren't worth, worth very much outside of a board ape. Okay, so there's that. I needed Robert. I felt we needed to put that out there because yeah. there's there's absolutely things that you should do, and well, especially when you spend a quarter of a million dollars on something, probably not best to have it in the cache of your browser. Just, just, just. Yeah, saying. I mean, basically probably had it in a metamask hot wallet i'm not sure why if it would have been an offline in a cold wallet uh on a device wouldn't have had this problem but it happens so you know just make sure that everybody's aware of this so i think the thing that we really want to talk about though is i and and you and i had this discussion a few episodes ago about oh i bored ape yacht club great nfts they're giving out the licensing to their owners but this isn't a case this is backfiring uh, I don't know if it backfires on the board ape community at all. We can talk about that if you want, but oh, it totally does. Yeah, I, I, I would absolutely. That's positive, and that's that, where it's sure. interesting that I listened to, and we talked about this. I listened to the Kevin Rose uh, podcast with Gary Vaynerchuk, and Gary was saying, "I love board ape the project," but he disagreed with the fact that you should not give out all your IP and licensing because then it can go, you know, IP run amok and anybody can do anything. And you could get, like, for example, maybe this actually happens and this White Horse Tavern NFT board ape show comes out and it's horrible and it hurts the brand. Well, that hurts every owner. And sure. it's just because of and one And there's person. your conspiracy theory, by the way, if you're, if you're looking. Oh, for yeah. Them, yeah. Right? I would, I'd love to hear your, I mean, you always have a conspiracy theory. So let's hear this one. I do. Yeah. I do. Well, it, 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 I mean, so I have two takes on this. One is on that particular thing, which is, you know, uh, if we look at what actually happened here, you know, because if you read the Twitter thread and you read the articles that are sort of talking this through, you know, it does come down to everybody. Everybody seems to be saying, well, you know, they're 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 correcting him in many ways by saying what got stolen wasn't the art. The art remains where it is. It remains linked, you know, as a hyperlink to something that is hosted on a website somewhere. And the art, so the art is fine and, and is has always remained in the same place. What got stolen was his certificate of ownership. Yes. And so the, the question isn't, you know, because a lot of people said, well, don't, it got stolen. It's not like if, you know, somebody steals my car, I still own the car. Yes, you do, but it's not that. It's 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 very different. What has happened here is is that the the right analogy would be the title of ownership you inadvertently signed over to somebody yes, else, that's, so you that's don't a way own to put the it. car anymore. Yeah. And you know you you can argue about whether he was you know scammed out of this or whether he was you know it, it's his own damn fault and he should actually have to pay it back. And you know you know mistake made and you got to you got to cough up the money because. 
you you made a huge mistake or whether it was fraud and you can actually go after the person who committed the fraud uh, you know all of those things are i guess active arguments the 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 point being is that when you start to look at the actual what's actually going on here it, you know it, it's the power and the responsibility of this idea of new new forms of ownership if you believe in the blockchain and you believe in that ownership gets transferred like this without a you know without an intermediary yep. like a you know like a contract place where you st- you know like a DMV where you store your title of ownership well you live and die by the sword and that's kind of the new thing and so as we work out the 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 muscle here and start to develop the infrastructure for this this is only going to get worse this this is only going to get worse, and and it will take a court uh, and probably some intervention at the government level to make this actually happen. What, what, um, because what, what otherwise, make what actually happen? The the actual idea of what crime, if any, was committed here. Yeah, to my yeah. So so basically, the, in my opinion, nothing can be done. Be, I agree. Yeah, there's I nothing, agree at this point. Nothing. And can here's be done. the thing. And uh, Seth Green wants to launch. So basically, he wants to launch the show using the IP rights that he did own. He so they were stolen and then sold legitimately to Darkwing eighty four, whatever. So Darkwing eighty four right. owns the IP per everything that the Board Ape community stands for and in their smart contract. So Dark, if Seth Green continues to go and launch this movie, Darkwing eighty four can file a lawsuit against Seth Green. Of course, yeah. he can file a cease and desist. It's copyright exactly violation, right. and yeah. the only way and for him to get it back is he has to spend the money and buy it back from Darkwing, which I don't think is selling it because he put it into a different. He doesn't seem like he's responding, or wh- whoever Darkwing is is responding. He hasn't said a peep that I can find. He hasn't said a peep, or she, or you know, they. Yeah. Right? They have not said a word um, in terms of, uh, of 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 anything on this. My conspiracy theory is that Seth has orchestrated this whole thing um, in order to in order to drive up some level of interest and get media coverage. That's the conspiracy theory. So you or, think that, that Seth could theoretically be Darkwing 84? I well, I don't know that he's Darkwing 84, but I wouldn't surprise me to find out later that, you know, there's been an agreement reached. Um, and that Darkwing 84 will relinquish control uh, for an undisclosed sum back to Seth Green, and Seth Green will go ahead and move forward with his fancy new show based on, and part of the storyline will just magically be that this bartender that is the bored ape was kidnapped, and that becomes part of the mythology of the launch of the show or whatever. I, that would not surprise me if that happened. It would also not surprise me to learn if if it somehow came out um, that elements of the board ape community orchestrated some of this in order to prevent the show from coming out. Because just to your point with with the IP rights, you know, they all live and die by however people use the 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 board ape as part of a character of content. And if if people got wind that like the show wasn't that good or people don't really like Seth Green or they were worried about it and, and sort of said, hey, listen, we need, you know, <laughs> you know, you could just imagine the sort of 
mafioso like conversation happening in a discord dark discord room you know we got to stop this kid before he does anything you know let's are we gonna we gonna stop i'm gonna go cap his knees you know no no cap his knees actually just send him an email with a fishing thing that'll take his hot wallet away you know it's like oh my god yeah uh, (laughs) it's like it yes that all could be possible robert or it could be just the fact that he clicked on the wrong link which happens all the time Uh, to yes. even the most sophisticated uh, wallet owners, if you will, which I, which is what I think happened. I think the bigger, I think the bigger issue that we've got to keep in mind is, is that read these smart contracts and what you have the rights to do and what you don't have the rights to do, and then you have to live and die by what happens. We have That's one of right. our. Um, I feel really bad too. One of our uh, never-ending ticket NFT holders got their wallet compromised and lost the their NFT. And said, "Can I still come to the event?" And basically, I I looked at, I saw what happened. You could see it. You could see somebody pilfering their wallet, taking it out, and and it was gone. And I said, "Well, you don't own a never any ticket. I can't let you into the VIP." But I was saying, "I'll give you a ticket." Of course, I feel bad. But yeah, I mean, it happens. Um, because that person doesn't own it anymore, and I can't do anything about that. So it's it's weird. It, it really when you get, when I first got into it, I thought it was really strange. Where you literally, there's nothing you can do if something happens. But did the person who now owns it? They didn't. No, show up, the right? person who now owns it. I don't know. I don't. I, they haven't done anything with it. It's just sitting there. They didn't. They right. didn't. Uh, they didn't come to the event. That we, we could. That way, we could have tracked it because they would have actually had to work through, log in, uh, work through our system in, in order to register for the event. But they never did. It just sat quiet. But but here's the question: Do, Would you have respected the ticket? Boy, that's a great question. I probably wouldn't have. Yeah, I probably said yeah, we, we have here. knowledge like if, of, if, that this is a stolen one, and I'm not, and I you I can't do anything because you own that NFT. But I'm not going to let you into the and event. therein lies right, and therein lies the judgment question, right? Because in this, if we go back to Seth, if he goes, listen. I'm going to I'm going to do that. everybody knows it was stolen. Everybody knows it was mine. I'm just going to go ahead with my show and let the let the thief sue me. You know, but it's not necessarily Darkwing isn't the thief and Darkwing would be perfectly within their right to That's sue. right. That's different. So basically go back to the situation. But it, should Darkwing be able to do a show? Like should Darkwing you know, like, can do to- Darkwing can do anything they want to because they purchase it legitimately. <laughs> It's so good. It's just it's so it, it's it's so silly. It's it's literally a comic book story. I mean, it, you know, Darkwing versus Seth Green. You know, this used to be a yeah, this used to be a legitimate a podcast where we talked about legitimate marketing things. Now we're talking about Darkwing. Oh my god, Darkwing. This is crazy. Anyways, it is absolutely nuts, and I wouldn't have it yeah, any other exactly. way. That's what's, that's what's that so fun about this. These days. And now, a word from today's sponsor, Superside. Hey there, gang. This is Joe. Question for you. Have you ever worked with a big design agency? Well, I have, and I didn't enjoy it one bit. Long wait times, too many revisions, oh, and the cost. This is too much for me to handle. So I have to tell you, I was pretty pleased to learn about Superside, a one-stop shop for good design. I'm, I'm kind of liking their unique subscription service that 
gives you access to designers from around the world and the design process, well, you absolutely need to check it out. In talking with the good folks from Superside, they said this old marketing listeners can expect 20 times faster results than an in-house team, a 50% cost reduction, and 70% faster. I was thinking about that. So if I was running a 100-meter dash and using Superside, and you were using an in-house team or a big design agency, I'd be finished, and you'd be at the 30-meter mark. Okay, well, not the best example, but you get the point. Superside is offering a one-month credit to this old marketing listeners when signing up for an annual subscription. That's a $3,000 value. Go to superside.com slash L slash this old marketing. Superside.com slash L slash this old marketing. Or just click on the link in the show notes. And please do that so Superside knows where you heard this from and they will continue to support this show. Scale your design. Add capacity without headcount. Keep in-house team focused and easily store and share files. Check out Superside. And now, back to your favorite marketing show. It's just fantastic. Well, all right. So moving on to our next story here, which is uh, another totally fun, interesting, but a little more grounded in reality, um, I think, uh, comes to his courtesy of The Verge uh, with the, uh, the, the guy with the best hair, Conan O'Brien, um, who has now made a $150 million podcast deal. Um, the article opens up by saying, after bottomless headlines about podcast licensing deals, I guess getting acquired is cool again. Or maybe Conan just tired. I'm tired, and I didn't even spend three decades as the good king of late night. Well, this article author making it all about yeah, them for some reason. Anyway, yes. uh, SiriusXM uh, has acquired Conan O'Brien's podcast network. Uh, so much for sticking to multi-tier deals, said the Sirius, uh, this author. SiriusXM, uh, on Monday, the audio giant announced that it has acquired Conan O'Brien's production company, Team Coco, and locked the comedian down in a five-year talent contract at a reported one. $150 million. The transaction is by no means the industry's largest, but it's a callback to the kind of M&A that was happening before top podcasters embraced licensing agreements. Team Coco, which was established in 2010, shortly after the end of O'Brien's ill-fated run on The Tonight Show, has become a podcasting force thanks to the success of his flagship show, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Edison recently ranked the show at number 26. They've also expanded to include popular series from like Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer and literally with uh, Rob Lowe. Licensing rights to which now belongs to SiriusXMs. According to the company, Team Coco brings in 180 million downloads a year. Uh, so the article goes on, obviously, to talk about some of the background and other deals that have happened, including Joe Rogan. Um, and um, uh, what do you think about this? I mean, this, this is... I think this is, you know, I mean, it seems like you, if you're a media operation, you basically position yourself as a podcast network and get acquired. Yeah, well, I think that that's, this is the trend. And I think we're moving away from the licensing deals where you have companies like Sirius XM and Spotify, as well as um, other media companies and other technology companies that want to actually buy the properties and retain control over it. So right. you, you, I think right. that's this is what's going to happen in the next two to three years plus. So first of all, congratulations to Team Coco and, and Conan. I love this story because if you know some of the history of what happened with Conan and NBC and I mean NBC and, and everyone, it seems, but I love the yeah, fact that these um, creators exactly. 
these very talented people are building their own things and being able to sell them. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I think the five-year earnout is a little interesting that he's got to stay on for five years. Um, but that'll give... I think, as the article says, that'll give Sirius some time to figure out what do we do when Conan O'Brien is not. Well, O'Brien that's lessons not... learned from the Joe Rogan deal, right? I mean, that's exactly what yeah. that is. Uh, I mean, you know, it's the same thing when about you know the Howard Stern deal sort of is the same thing because what do we do when Howard Stern stops? And luckily, Howard Stern has not stopped and the Sirius deal, and they've been able to grow from that. But I guess the, the thing that I'm taking from this is you are going to see a ton of these things happen. And I think with... If you believe that we're going into a recessionary environment and there's not going to be a lot of money, this is a really, really sweet time where you're going to see uh, buyers with money be in a little bit better position where you're going to see some of the talent bring down their asking price. Almost like we're seeing in the real estate market. We've hit a top in the real estate market. Prices are coming down. You're going to see the same thing in this market. And by the way, it's more than just podcasts, as we've discussed on this this podcast many times. You're going to see this with blogs, with newsletters, uh, events, anything. Uh, It's going to be a a free-for-all because everybody's wants to build an audience. It's hard to do. So you've got money and you're going to buy it. Well, this is, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head, I think, because... What I see in this, you know, the Netflix, you know, I think we're going to look back five, ten years from now and look at the Netflix earnings call as sort of the 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 ultimate moment of trigger of the pivot, right? Which is where all of the air of the value of streaming media got sucked out of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I have said for years since we began this podcast, when we've talked about the opportunity for brands to acquire media companies and that media companies were out there. And we've always said and has always been true, by the way, that, you know, over the last 10 years that they were bargains for the most part, that media companies weren't valued um, to the to the extent that they can or should be in terms of the value it was to a particular brand. And. The idea that that value has has grown and grown and grown and grown, and then you know you can make an argument about whether it's been right sized or whether it's you know whether it's been heavily discounted. I would fall on the latter, where media companies now are cheap, and you're going to start to see a lot of these companies, you know, and we're talking about at the tectonic scale, right? You know, the Roku's and Netflix and you know others that are that are sort of just really attractive acquisitions right now. Not Netflix per se, but Roku is a yes. great example. And they this, will right? be bought Roku is, very soon. It's a great business that is just way undervalued at the moment. The same thing is happening at the much smaller scale, right? Where you're seeing these smaller companies become, you know, $150 million for what they what for what Team Coco produces in the podcast is a bargain right now. And and, and and the fact that it's an earnout deal where they don't have to spend all the money up front, they're you know they they got to earn it over time. They'll they'll more than make back their money. That's a great investment for them. You know, it's interesting. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No, no. I was just gonna, and I'll finish by saying. So the the key is is if you're you know you and you have said this. If you're a business content creator right now and you're starting a business this is a great time to start because there's going to be a lot of churn in the market. And it's a great, when there's a lot of churn in the market, it's a great time for new entrants to it. 
And if you're a big brand and you're looking for media companies, now is the time to be starting to to, to get into the buying business because you'll you'll probably you know it, it is probably the best, if not the most optimal time to be looking at acquisition. Well, yeah, I mean it's great. I mean I don't know what time period we are, but if we are going into a recession and we believe it's 2007, 2008, all over again. By 2010 and 11, it got really interesting, right? Because those people that created a media brand in seven, eight, nine were in really well positioned because most companies didn't create stuff at that time. They battened down the hatches, right. which that's tends right. to happen. They, right, they don't in, they don't invest. So there's a there's a couple things going on here. So you brought up Netflix, and you said so. How many when we we talked about it on the a couple shows ago where you said Netflix and Disney Plus they are spending billions of dollars on content well a lot of that content that they're creating are not sure things well you have a lot of sure things that are out there in these media companies that you could just buy so instead of creating the content doing you know all fresh new stuff and you're not knowing what you have there's so many opportunities out there for them to buy so you're going to see a lot of that i think those dollars go to purchasing smaller media companies instead of just creating brand new things i think the other thing and this is a i have this in front of me because a friend sent it to me this is an article from TechCrunch. It said yc advises founders to plan for the worst amid market teardown this was written last week this is really interesting because we've had so much vc funny money for the last 10 years and now you've got a lot of this stuff is pulling back so you this is where you have companies that are building real things, uh, that are building audiences and be able to monetize those audiences are going to be in a real sweet position if they're patient and they have time in the next two two to three years. Uh, and then, yeah. then to your point, if you're a if you're a tech company or any kind of kind of company and you actually have some sideline cash, boy, make your list, check it twice. You've got you've got some really good opportunities to purchase. At not necessarily the valuation at you as you would have maybe seen six to twelve months ago. Exactly, and the, and and a lot of these. Let's not forget, a lot of these are, you know, aqua hires, right? Yes. Where you've already got a talent deficit, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to efficiently create a content operation in your big brand, in your you know, if you're a tech brand or financial services or, you know some of the more forward-leaning sort of uh, operators in this space, this, you know, and you're looking to acquire a team to organically create a content strategy for you, this, this you know, looking at an existing media operation, whether or not, quite frankly, it's, it's, it's closely aligned, the existing publication is closely aligned to your, you know, to your brand, et cetera, because you can always change that. But finding that talent is the real key. Like with any acquisition, talent is really the number one, you know, part of that acquisition. So it's it's you know it's 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 a ripe time. Absolutely, yeah. So I think, boy, so so con- five, maybe we're finally getting to that point that you and I have talked about for the last <laughs> seven, eight, nine years. That if you're into content marketing, part of your responsibilities is to understand M and A, especially the A part of that. So yeah. if you're listening to this and you don't understand acquisitions, you should start looking at it right now and and get yourself briefed on how that works and start making your list of companies. And then if you're a creator, wonderful. Such that that it's what's interesting about this is Conan O'Brien selling Conan O'Brien. I mean, he Conan O'Brien is Team Coco to most people. 
even though there's a great team behind that. So if you're a mm-hmm. creator and your name's all over this, you should start thinking about, well, what if could your project go on without you? And the answer is probably yes, but you'll have to make some tough decisions. And you should start looking at that right now. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Done and done. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just looking at the little dots as my my waveform in the the recording shows all my yeahs there. Oh, that's nice that you're doing that while we're trying to have an educational, informative conversation. You're looking at the little dots. Yeah. Good. Go. Happy All for right. you. Let's move on to our next story here. Uh, I'm going to skip the YouTube one, and let's go right to the 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 uh, the answer. Oh, yeah. You have a take on this, so I want to hear your take. I do have so a take ahead. on this. Yeah. So this is going to come to us courtesy of martech.org. Great, uh, by the way, site for just everything. In oh, do you see their tagline? Technology. Martech is marketing. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I have a problem with that. I didn't know. I don't even know if you remember, but I when they came out with this, I actually... I actually ranted about that for a bit but. yeah who knew i see this i've been i've been in trouble this whole time i've been in marketing for 20 years but i never realized that that now yeah, I have it's it. a goofy Martech is it's a goofy tagline there's there's there is no doubt about that but but the content on the site is actually quite yes. good quite good um and they you know they do they are you know they are very much trying to become and or have become arguably the Content Marketing Institute of Marketing Technology. Yeah. You know, they got classes and consulting and anyway, don't need to promote their business any more than we just have. Um, the article that we'll link to in the show notes, uh, the headline here is antitrust bill could force Google, Facebook and Amazon to shutter parts of their ad business. Uh, one employee described Google's ad business as being if like Goldman or Citibank owned the New York Stock Exchange. Eh, it might be a bit of a reach. Um, the opening, the article opens up by saying a new Senate antitrust bill could make Google, Facebook, and Amazon divest portions of their ad businesses. The Competition and Transparency in Digital Advertising Act, uh, it doesn't even have a cute acronym, um, would prevent large ad companies from participating on different sides of the ad transaction chain. It would then ban them from operating for more than one of these functions supply-side brokers selling publisher ad space, demand-side brokers selling ads or ad exchanges connecting buyers and sellers. The bill introduced yesterday by Mike Lee, a Republican from Utah, and co-sponsored by Amy Klobuchar, a Democrat from Minnesota, Ted Cruz, and Richard Blumenthal. Boy, is had to be a fly on the wall in those meetings. Can you imagine? That I would opt some, out that of is that. A, that is a cast of yeah, characters I would opt right out there. of that meeting. I would. Yeah, you would want to be in nope. it. I, I do not want to be near that. But anyways, uh, that is go ahead. That is a yes. that is that you need lots of alcohol for that meeting. Um, they banned companies earning more than twenty billion dollars in annual digital advertising revenue from participating in the online ad ecosystem in a way that creates conflicting interests. It also imposes consumer protection rules similar to the ones governing financial trading. Under the law, businesses with more than five billion dollars in digital ad transactions annually would have to a act in the best interest of customers by getting the best bids for ad, B, provide transparency customers can verify that, C, create firewalls between their buying and selling operations, if they're allowed to operate both, and D, treat all customers the same concerning performance and information-related transactions, and it goes on to, you know, promote the uh, promote the uh, you know the whole thing. The IAB has come out strongly against the bill, 
Um, surprise and shock there. Um, and basically, the new law is a response to the anti-competitive practices Google has been accused of, uh, said uh, some of the industry analysts there. Anyway, um, I do have a take on this, but I wanted to get yours quickly first. But uh, if, if you have such a thing. If I, if I have such a take. Yeah, do I have if you take? have one. Uh, my yeah. take is that if they have a smart legal team, that is Google and Facebook, which I'm sure they've paid the best of the best, this will never happen. And it probably shouldn't ever happen because the big fly on the wall, if we're talking about flies on the wall, is TikTok. TikTok is growing their digital advertising at an immense rate, uh, way faster than Google or Facebook, maybe in their heyday they dreamed of. But um, they'll say if they can make the position that digital advertising is included in social media advertising, search advertising, if it's all the same bucket, there's no, there's no way. I mean, you you would you could actually say, oh well, shoot, you got Snap, you got Pinterest, you got Microsoft. We're all participating in this thing. You could add ten more companies, but really, the biggest player is not even in this article. At least future player TikTok. I believe TikTok is going to be the largest la- larger from a digital advertising business than Google or Facebook, in my opinion. So, agreed. Agreed on that, but I think the targets here are clear, which is really, you know, I mean, because with the dollar limits that you're talking about here, there's really, you know, there are only three, right? And and it's arguable right now, well, Google, Facebook, and Amazon, I mean, that's kind of it when it comes to this. Amazon really shouldn't be a part of this because they're, you know, the, the way their ad system... Well, because the way their ad system works is really only on their platform, is only on the Amazon.com platform. So they're not providing ad exchanges for third-party websites mm. and, and you know sort of tools for publishers to monetize on the buy side. You see you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I um, you know, in other words, I can't use Amazon ads on my website. Um, and, and so... I would argue that Amazon really shouldn't be part of this. I mean, there I know there's some probably some nuanced arguments that you could probably make for them being on this side, but it's really Google and Facebook here, right? Where, and really Google more than anybody else, because what they're arguing is is that these companies have, uh, they have basically sell side software, which is you know the ability to sell ads and ad space. Then they've got an exchange where you can actually go bid on placement of those things. And then you've got the buy side software where, you know, you can set the self-service tools where you can go, you know, basically go buy and arbitrage those things. And so, you know, Google has a huge share of those things because that's its entire business. I mean, that's the, that's the, you know, what you're talking about is 90% of how Google makes money is exactly mm-hmm. this. Um, and so, the question is, is that when we think about this, is 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 this going to go anywhere, right? Is this, A, does this have anything to do with privacy? No, it does not. Um, B, does this have anything to do with really antitrust and opening up competition? I dare say not really, because who's going who's gonna to come and compete in this, right? Who's, who's really going to come and compete against this? Because those solutions already exist. They, they exist. People just aren't there. So in other words, opening this up and saying, Google, you can't do this anymore. You have to basically, you know, divest yourself 
of let's say the let's say the 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 you know the ad exchange, which would never happen, but let's just say that it did. They okay, Google, you're going to have to divest yourself of the ad exchange, and you're going to have to let other companies basically handle the marketplace of your ad space. Well, okay, yes, some other people would do that, but Google still benefits. It's still their ad space. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like they're having somebody else sell it, you can argue that, you know, they might not be as profitable. They would have to pay a fee. There would be competitors involved here. It's, this is just a mess. This, I think this is just a mess. And honestly, and it's, it's especially comes when I start to see the, the, the folks that are, um, you know, in charge of this, this is, this is all positioning and very little meat here. And I don't think this is going it's in, anywhere. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and plus, it, definitions are really important with this kind of an issue. Are we, are, so right. let, let's, let's just take Google for, exist, for, for example. Are we talking about search marketing here and search marketing dollars? And I mean, you're, you just talked about the ad networks. But if we just talk about, okay, Google owns, has this monopoly in search, well, that's going to change really quickly as we get more into voice. Where you, then, then you have many new players, including Google, including Apple, including Amazon. So how does that work? So I, I think that the yeah. technology yeah. is changing much faster than we think. It's hard to define what the monopoly is over. You could have said it very clearly 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Search. You go to a website. They control that. They've got all the relationships. They control the whole distribution system. Now it's a little fuzzy. I think you can probably argue yourself argue your way out of any big issue with this one so i think so too and and this is such a core issue for google ain't no way this is going places this is there's just you know there's too much there there are other things to argue on antitrust for google and facebook and amazon amazon specifically um that there are parts of their business that they should probably divest themselves of but the ad exchange isn't one of them. I mean, because yeah. they're, they're, not, they're not going down without a, you know, that is a hill they will die well, hats off, on. Yeah, hats off to the bipartisan group that put this together. But let's all be honest. Nah, and we not, know that I'm there are more important that, bipartisan yeah. issues that they should be focusing on. So, so yeah. let's. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. right. <laughs> so, anyways. Right. Yeah. There's, there is there's that. that. There is that. Um, all right. So let's, um, let's now move to our rants and raves section. Um, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like we have to sit and watch the Johnny Depp trial or where we can actually skip it and move on to something else and go see Top Gun. Oh, yes, I've heard, I've heard I've heard really good reviews. Oh, my gosh. Apparently, it's just amazing. I, I'm, we're going to actually... Uh, you know what we're going to do? We're actually going to go... Um, they have a thing here with... A- AMC Theaters now has a thing where you can rent out a theater... You know, you have to go in off times and usually off days, mm-hmm. but for like 500 bucks, um, you and up to 40 of your closest friends, like you can literally be, it can be two of you or five of you or 10 of you. Um, we're going to get a little group oh, together nice. and pitch in because it's like 500 bucks. It's like 500 bucks to go. And you're going to, and, you, and you're going to do this for Top and Gun you get, or just, yeah, we're going to oh, do it for nice. Top Gun. Yeah. Do they make yeah. popcorn too during this time? They do the whole thing. Oh. Yeah, they basically it's like you're going to the movie theater, but it's only you and your little your little family in that the theater. Is a, which is that great. is a wonderful idea. I, it's I, a pretty cool idea, I have to uh, say. Yeah. And, and by the way, when was the last time we heard Tom Cruise and gr- good reviews? I mean, this is I'm really excited about this. 
since maybe Magnolia. Tom makes good movies. They, he, his movies are usually he does, pretty he, damn good. He is. I mean, when when people think of action star, you you have to put Tom Cruise. Oh, he's, at the top. I mean, yeah, he's a complete nut job. But other than that, he makes amazing. Didn't movies. you know him personally? When, <laughs> I know. No, I've never <laughs> met him. I've never met the man. I, I've never. I, met I, I didn't know. I thought that uh, since you know you lived in that area and you were involved in things, I didn't know. I well, I do have I do I do have stories about the particular religion he follows, but that's a whole other story for. Can a we do a special? Can we sure. do a special episode on that sometime? We know that nobody we, would we listen to. We would get to? lawsuits. I'm. Oh my God! I can't. No. The answer to oh, that is no. Oh come on. Okay. Um, no. Send tweets. This old marketing hashtag. Ask. <laughs> ask for special episode. Yeah, it's, and don't tag if you know what we're talking about. No, no, no. I shouldn't have brought thing. it don't up. Don't tag it. I with shouldn't that. have brought it up. You don't need the hassle. Shame on me. This is yeah. terrible. Anyways, rants and raves. What do we got? Rants and raves. Do you want to go first, uh, or shall yeah, I? Yeah, I've first? got a couple. Thi- I, I want it more than anything else. I want to get this in the show notes because I think it's really important. Uh, one a a sixteen z. Uh, Andreessen Horowitz's 2022 state of the crypto report came out. This is on May 17th. There's five key takeaways. You can read them for yourself. I mean, they talk about the fact that we are absolutely in a bear market, crypto winter, whatever you want to talk about. But there's one really interesting chart that they that I that really impacted me to so you can get a feel for where we are. And this is under number five. And number five is yes, it's still early. And the the talk here is it says we estimate there are somewhere between seven million and fifty million active Ethereum users today. And they go through and they plot this, Robert, against total internet users and basically Ethereum's uh, chart up looks in almost identical to overall internet users from back in nineteen ninety. And you'll see that we're probably we look like we're seven, six to seven years in. Uh, from like internet time basis. So that would put us at around 1996 or 1997 if we're looking at Web3. So, you know, just fast forward to where we're headed here. Uh, It's still ramping up. There's still a lot of potential. You got a lot of people working on projects. I think actually the fact that crypto's down quite a bit gets people focused on working the right projects, focusing on the right benefits. So I see a lot of great things coming uh, for for crypto and Web three in the future. So, anyways, you can go through this yourself and see how early days we are. So that's the one. I also put this one in the show notes, and this is from our friends at Creator Bread. I love that name, CreatorBread.com. They reviewed convert kits. Is it BRD? Just Cre- B- <laughs> Plus spell out bread. Creator Bread. Uh, they focused on <laughs> our good friends at ConvertKit released their 2022 State of the Creator Economy report. And there's a bunch of takeaways, and you can go through them yourself. But as I just told somebody on an interview, they asked me, what's the number one determinant of success when it comes to content creation and content entrepreneurship? And I said, full-time content creators make it when they give it enough time. It's always time and i think people don't realize and you think there's a magic pill like oh i've got a particular content niche or i focused on tiktok versus blogging you can look at all those other things and none of those are statistically significant except for the fact that those people that give it more than really two to three years are the ones that are successful most people have stopped before then so i just and this this uh report from convert kit plays that out as well so 
those are the two fascinating that, I, that we will put in the show notes and how about you yeah, no uh, i'll definitely sir? go check that yeah. out that's 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 really interesting. i mean can, consistency right which is what ultimately time ends up being right which is it's not just you know a binge time but it's sort of like time over the long haul yeah right? whatever your that's consistency the, and your frequency is it's yeah. two times a week it's once a week it's three times a week and right. you do that for i mean the, we, we're coming out with our uh creator economy content entrepreneur study probably in the next four weeks here and we found that 17 months was the time period it basically takes 17 months till somebody sees some kind of financial success it may be yeah. longer but that's the number that we got from the research so let's go with that one um so a year and a half you need and when i and you and i have talked to a lot of creators and a lot of content marketers as well and they're like hey we've given it six months we've given it nine months and we're like okay well you just started <laughs> good for you you're barely just finding out who you are and who your right. audience is and exactly. what your and, and what your content tilt is at that point you don't even know yet and it's not a short yeah, exactly i Definitely love that's why i love reading up on mr beast uh you know probably the number one YouTube creator in the world where he'll talk about his first hundred episodes were practice. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and now he's, you know, making billions of dollars a year and good for him. And it's got a burger chain and everything else, but it takes a long time. Just like, you know what? Every other business out there. Yeah. So anyways, exactly. All right, what do you got my friend? All right. I got two quick things, um, which is one just in the, in it's continuing our theme of, of how politicians are just, being stupid and silly and ridiculous these days. Um, and, you know, there I said it without saying it about, you know, what's going on in the world right now. Um, the This is just a, a quick rant, which comes to us courtesy of Media Post, which we'll link to in the show notes. Basically, the headline is, is that the Ohio, and I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pick on Ohio, but Ohio, here we go. That's Ohio and the attorney general there can proceed with their claim that Google search is a common carrier, which, <laughs> I mean, I read that headline, I went, really, 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 really? You know, so the article opens and says, a state court judge in Ohio is allowing Attorney General David Yost to proceed with an effort to prohibit Google from prioritizing its services or products in search results. I mean, I mean, think about that for a minute. Just, you know, the ruling issued Tuesday uh, Delaware County Common Pleas Court Judge James Shuck declined to dismiss Yost's claim that Google search engine is a common carrier. The court believes at this stage of the proceeding that the state should have the ability to take discovery, develop its case, and present evidence to support its claim, which is basically the, the judge saying not no. You know, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that the judge agrees with it. It just basically says, all right, you know, you, you, can, you, you, you can continue this ridiculousness. Um, Basically, what the claim is, is that Google is saying that it's, you know, they're saying that Google basically promotes its own products in search results and pointed to a study that says around 65% of searches on Google desktop and mobile ended without clicks to a different company. And of course, we've talked about this ad nauseum on this show, which is ostensibly that, that Google is pulling in a lot of content into the search results itself, where you know, if you ask, you know, for example, if you go say, hey, how much, you know, how, how many cups is eight ounces, you're going to get the answer in the search yep. results. You're not going to get, you know, a link to a chef site. And all of that, um, because Google said exactly this, right, which is because so many people seek factual information, currency conversions, weather forecasts, 
as opposed to links and other companies, this this is just ridiculous at its face. Um, the the and and as much as you might not like, and there are parts of this that I don't like either. The ability for Google to sort of scrape content and not have you know results actually that link to your particular site using the argument that Google is a common carrier like the phone company or like the electric company and shouldn't prioritize itself accordingly is just the silliest argument I've ever heard. I mean, I think the the the, the more the the most silly argument I've seen in the last month came from a Supreme Court justice, but the the second one is this one. <laughs> so there is really just a, a lot of silliness here, and I just I, I wanted to point it out because it's likely to get a little more media attention. And it's just something to to pay attention to um, for the short life that it should have. The second is more of just a question, right? So this goes back to thinking about our little conspiracy theory here. I just have questions, which is so we talked about on actually at the the predictions show at the very beginning of this year. We talked about acquisitions and how acquisitions were going to become a big mm-hmm. thing. And there was a company we talked about. At the time, the company didn't have a name. And it was this company that had been put together by uh, 2X Disney uh, and, and Hollywood uh, sort of, I guess, players would be the, the, the right way to, to, to say it. They have since named the company. It's called Candle, Candle Media. And just it... Their latest acquisition caught me, you know, as I was doing research for the show, just yet another acquisition. And literally within the last year, the company's only been around for the last year and a half. Um, And it's only been really named, it's had a name for itself in the last, call it four months, five, six months, maybe, maybe. It's a little hard to know exactly when it is. Everything that's out there from the Crunchbase article that it that it has on it from any the Bloomberg basically is wrong about the number of acquisitions it's had. It has zero, it, there's no address listed for the company. There's no like physical address listed for this company. There is a couple of social media profiles. They have a LinkedIn profile and a Twitter profile that the only thing they promote is the acquisitions themselves. And this is a company that in the last year has uh, acquired. Hello Sunshine, Reese Witherspoon's media company for $500 million, Moonbug Entertainment, which is Coco Melon and Blippi, which is $3 billion, Faraway Road Productions, which was the Netflix movie production house, which was $50 million acquisition, Exile Content Studio, which is a huge Spanish language content media company, One Animation, which is sort of an animation house that makes uh, YouTube videos and, and some other things, and then literally just this week has acquired uh, attention, ATTN, the social media content that makes tons of videos for TikTok with like Arnold Schwarzenegger and all sorts of, they do sort of like a public service campaign. So that's one, two, three, four, five, that's six acquisitions of meaningful acquisitions into the, you know, well, let's call it sub, just sub $5 billion range within the last, uh, within the last year and a half or so. And there's no website for this company. There's no, there's, you know, it's just, it, it's a fascinating thing to me that this is all going on and there you know at the time back in the prediction show i i had predicted that this company was sort of silently working in the background to maybe become the thing that apple acquires 
Um, but and I'm still maintaining that they might be building up this like media company for to you know to sort of flip at some point, building up the house to flip it. But my question is to who? And it's just it's just I, I'm I'm just fascinated by this whole little story that doesn't seem to be getting a lot of coverage at all. But it's like this you know this is the biggest media company you've never heard of, and it's just a fascinating thing for me. Mm, I. I think they know who they're going. <laughs> I'm sure they know. I, oh no! I absolutely. <laughs> this is this is a very you know a very considered strategy. What I love about it is is that there's no they're 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 yelling from the rooftops on social media, but there's no marketing. Like they're they're literally doing zero. Like there's no website. There's no you know they're hiring people. They're hi, you know the Hollywood Reporter and Daily Variety report on people that they're hiring, but. You know, you go look them up, and there's like there's no physical address for this place. There's no website for this this thing. There's no, so they're just acquiring these companies for what purpose? And I have to think it's to, at some point, just like you know, polish up this rock and sell it off to somebody. But but the question is who? Whatever it is, they're well funded. Well funded because yeah. yes, well funded and, and uh, focused. I like this company. Whatever it is, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my friend. What do you got going on this yeah. weekend? Yeah. What do you got this week? You're you're back home. You're working. I'm working again. again. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, getting all the emails uh, read and sent off and all that good. That's the only part. Good for bad you. Part about going on vacation. All the dread. Oh all yeah. Emails. Everything you got to. Uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah. Things are you know we we're working on a lot of stuff. Uh, we got that research study coming out. We'll do that pretty shortly and working on a lot of new ideas and thinking about CEX for next year and. All kinds of fun stuff. So, and you, my friend, what do you got going on? I am going to be working my little tail off because business is is cooking. Um, next week will be the week that I announce my little thing. Um, yes. So you can stay tuned for that. Um, so we've got that cooking as well. Um, and otherwise, looking forward to a bit of a long weekend and uh, and getting out from behind a screen and maybe sitting behind a barbecue and with a pair of tongs and turning a steak over yep. while I drink a glass of red right. wine. That is my, I like that. That is my immediate Here's goal. to everyone getting together with family, enjoying, being present, exactly. all that good stuff. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, everybody, that's it. We're going to sign off. And in the meantime, if you want all the goodness of this podcast show notes and all the links that we talked about, including all the other 772,000 episodes, just get on over to our website, won't you? Thisoldmarketing.site. Uh, it's great there. And remember, hashtag us up. Special thanks this week to Annie Schiffman, who is at Annie Schiff on Twitter, and Heath Dingwell. Uh, Heath, loving the, the, loving the little news roundup that you're doing every week. Thank you for that. And all the other folks who actually contributed some ideas on the hashtag this week on Twitter, continue that. We love it. It's very uh, important for us as we put together the show to get your input into what we should be covering. But other than that, until we meet again next week, just remember it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Market.